Y'all ready? I am. I want to preach. It's not a hard message. It shouldn't be a hard message. But it is a difficult message for where we are, for where we are culturally. And I didn't tell the first service this, but the truth of the matter is that, and I say this a lot, and I mean it every time I say it, but I mean it a lot, lot right now. It's an overflow of what I think the Lord is doing in my life. My goal this year, and I say this tongue-in-cheek, but who knows, it may happen, is to get canceled on Facebook or some other social media site. Um, I don't want to lose a voice, but if I'm going to be speaking, I want it to be truthful. And, and, and um, so don't, don't report me, okay? Don't report me unless you just really feel it's necessary. But, um, but um, oh, first of all, go to your Bibles. Go to, go to Galatians chapter 3. And if you don't have a Bible with you, it'll be on the screen. And I want to encourage you, bring your Bible to church. Bring it to church. Um, I've already kind of referenced Lori preaching last week, did a phenomenal job. And, and during first service, while she was preaching down here, I had the privilege and the honor to lead our kids' house uh, service for our early service. And it was a lot of fun. And, and as I was leading that, a part of my job as the kids' house leader is to lead praise and worship up there. And uh, we, did, we did two songs. We did Jump and Wave Walker, two of my favorite songs. Uh, I have a playlist on my phone, and when we go to school in the morning, the girls and I, uh, we listen to praise and worship music, and those two songs are some of the most played on our playlist. But, but it got me thinking, you know, I didn't go to church a ton as a, as a younger child, um, unless it was like a VBS or something like that, because my parents could get rid of me for, you know, a little while. Was, you know, I mean, I don't, no fault on that, right? Especially if you didn't know me as a kid, you would really support that decision. <laughs> And I remember, I was thinking, Brad, like, this is a lot different than the songs I remember doing, you know? Like, you know, you got this little light of mine. She's already, Carrie's over here singing this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. You know the motions. I don't know the motions. I was, I was too heathen to learn the motions. I'm just being honest. And, it, like, all these songs have motions, by the way. What if we did that in our songs? Like, what if the worship team's up here? I want to see Sherry doing motions up here and Holly when she's leading. I want to see motions. That's, we're going, that's next. It's coming. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. It's not. I was a joke. You know, you got Jesus loves me, right? Jesus loves me. This I know. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, there, and then you got another one that I remember. And listen, every time I heard it, I thought, I don't, this is weird. Because I knew my dad, and this guy wasn't. I didn't, I didn't know anybody named him except a former U.S. president. Uh, it was a song called Father Abraham, who got around a lot, apparently, because he had a lot of kids. <laughs> I honestly, I mean, but listen, you laugh, but like, I did not know. I didn't know what that song meant till I was a junior in Bible college. In Old Testament theology class. You don't know what you don't know until you know what you didn't know, right? And so we'd sing, Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham because he 
had a, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, stop, stop, stop. Yeah, next week. That's going to be song number two in our set list, right? Get Lori down here to lead that one. I just never understood it. I said, like, I mean, did Abraham, was he a promiscuous man? Like, did he have a, you know, anytime you hear about somebody having a lot of kids and, like, you ain't related to me, then something's wrong with that. But, you know, once I started to understand who Abraham was, and, and we're going to talk about this in Galatians a little bit. If you belong to Jesus, you are a child of Abraham. Now, now, now granted, I would say for most of us in this room, uh, the chances of us being biologically related to Abraham are not statistically very high. But how many of you have learned throughout the course of your life that kingdom blood is a whole lot thicker than family blood sometimes? You know, sometimes you are a lot more aligned with and a lot closer to the people that you share faith with versus the people you may share a last name with. Because that's, that's the blood of Jesus right there. And that's, that's, that's a pretty strong bond. And so we are the children of Abraham, and we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? And, and you, can, you can read about Abraham. You can go to Genesis 12. It's just a few chapters in your Bible. Start in Genesis 12 and go through about 25, and, and you can read the story of Abraham. And we're going to read some of it. But uh, Paul makes reference to Abraham when he writes to the churches at Galatia. And this is what he says. If you got your Bible, I want to start in Galatians 3, verse number 6. He says, In the same way, Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham, then, are those who put their faith in God. What's more, the Scriptures look forward to this time when God would make the Gentiles right in his sight because of their faith. And for most of us, we would be lumped in this category of Gentiles, which essentially means anybody who is not of Hebrew or Jewish descent. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, all nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received of his faith. But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his cost, or under, under his curse. For the scriptures say, Cursed is anyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scriptures say, It is through faith that a righteous person has life. This way of faith is very different from the way of the law, which says it is through obeying the law that a person has life. 
Just a few more verses and I'll be done. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. And through Christ Jesus, God has blessed us, or blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. I want to preach a sermon today. And this is part of our greatest hit series. We're going to be talking about Abraham. And we're going to talk a lot about faith today. What real faith looks like. And I want to call the sermon, Take a Step. Because for many of you today, and you may not know it, but you will by the end of this message. The Lord is calling you to take a step of faith. So I want to talk about what that looks like in our lives. Father, I thank you for your word. I pray, God, that as you have been so present with us with us already, that you will continue to move and minister, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would guide me, anoint me for your purposes. God, that you would help me to set aside opinions and preferences, Lord, to be fully obedient and led by your spirit in everything that I say and do. Have your will in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, one more time. Can we celebrate the goodness of the Lord? So to, to really grasp the situation that Paul is speaking to here, I want to go back to Genesis 12. And let me just pick up with a few verses here in, Ch in Genesis chapter 12. The Lord said to Abram, now his name is not Abraham yet. In a few chapters, the Lord will change his name from Abram to Abraham. And so it says, the Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham departed as the Lord instructed, and Lot, and Lot is his nephew, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. And, and so I just, I'm going to jump right in. You guys okay with that? Yeah. Point number one, faith is not a feeling. Faith is a decision. Faith is not a feeling. Faith is a decision. How do we know that Abraham had faith? How do we know that Abraham trusted the Lord? How do we know that Abraham had faith? We know because when God told Abraham to move, he moved. He, he obviously trusted God enough that when God said to him, hey, go to a land that I will show you. Now, what I find very interesting is the Lord does not even tell him where to go. It just says, hey, you start walking and I'll let you know when you get there. And so Abraham begins to move. Now, now James, 2,000 years later, would say this in James chapter 2, verse 17. He says, in the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. Faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. He says, but someone will say, you have faith. 
James says, but I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds or by my works. I want to say this to you this morning, and I've, and I've talked about this before, and Lori even did as well last week, but faith and feelings are not the same thing. Right. I, now, now I, 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 I'm afraid that every so often when I talk about this, that I give the impression that I think feelings are emotion, or emotions are bad. And that is not my intention. Uh, th- that is not what I'm trying to say. Uh, feelings or emotions are great. God has them, we have them. God gave them to us for a reason and for a purpose. They serve as an indicator in our lives to show us how things are going. Uh, Just, you know, essentially our feelings or our emotions will tell us, hey, you need to address the situation in your life. You you need to take care of this or you need more of this or you need less of this. And, And feelings, emotions, they are not inherently bad as long as we are the one that has them and they are not the one that has us. And so the, the world, now, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I've already kind of warned you, but I'm just, we're going, we're going hard today, okay? The world will tell us that, that we should follow our feelings. You know, they'll say something like this, oh, you just got to be true to yourself. You just got to be true to who you are. Well, who you are is dead and sinful. Uh, who you are is corrupted. Uh, who you are is not someone to be trusted. And, and you just got to stay true to your heart. Well, well, Jeremiah tells us that the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. You know, my feelings will be different depending on how much sleep I got. You know, my feelings will be different depending on how much sugar I've just eaten. If I've just had a lot of sugar, I'm going to feel different than if I just had a lot of protein, all right? I'm going to feel a lot different in the morning after eight hours of sleep than I am after three hours of sleep. I cannot trust my feelings. I cannot trust my emotions. I need to look at them. I need to analyze them. But they don't own me. I own them. See, when I live according to my feelings, when I live according to my emotions, I am submitting myself to my will. And and essentially what is happening is I am becoming a little g-god to myself. And it's the most pure uh, and unadulterated form of idolatry there is, is when we make ourselves our own god. There is no no such thing as an atheist. That, That doesn't exist. There are people who don't believe in, our, in the one true God. Instead, they believe that they're God. That's what an atheist is. And, and, and that's, the, that's the way our world is trying to tell us, oh, if you feel it, oh, it must be true. Can I, can I just, can I, can I talk how I talk? That's bull crap, okay? That is, that is baloney. That is malarkey. That is not true. That is a lie straight from the pits of hell. And you want to know the real truth of this new cultural ideology that we see ourselves surrounded by that says, oh, if you feel like you're this, then you are. It's not only is it sinful, it is pure demonic. My feelings do not get to dictate my life because my feelings and your feelings and our feelings cannot be trusted because they are so easily manipulated and so easily misunderstood. But you know what is not easily manipulated? The everlasting word of God. The, having faith in Jesus. Oh, that's, you, you can't manipulate that. And so when I live according to my feelings, when I live according to my emotions, when I make decisions based purely on how I feel, when I make decisions regarding my identity or regarding my body or regarding myself based on what I feel or how I feel or whatever my heart is telling me, oh, you know, speak your truth. I ain't got no truth. All I got is truth, okay? 
That's idolatry, that's sinful. And, and I know I'm being strong on this this morning. It's demonic. But when I live according to faith, I'm submitting myself to God's will for my life. And so faith is not a feeling. Can I just be, I, there are mornings that I wake up in the morning and I don't, I don't feel saved. There are mornings that I wake up in the morning that I don't feel like a pastor. There are mornings when I wake up in the morning, my alarm clock is set for 5 a.m. I get up and I, and I spend time in the Word. And I know not everybody can do that, but I can, and so I do. And I spend time in the Word. I spend time in prayer. Can I just, can I, I know this is going to shock you. I know that you're going to be like, I, can't, I just can't believe that. There are mornings my alarm clock goes off, and I'm thinking, mm, I don't want to pray. I don't want to read my Bible. I don't want to spend time in the Word. But guess what? My feelings don't get to control my life. It doesn't matter if I did have three hours of sleep or slept for 10 hours. At the end of the day, I know my spirit needs to be fed more than my body needs to be rested. And so my feelings do not get to dictate my life. I get to tell them how to act. And so, so faith is not a feeling. Faith is a decision to choose and to trust the Lord above your own feelings, above your own. And, and we know that Abraham had faith, not because he felt like taking a walk or taking a step. You know how we know Abraham had faith? It's because he made a decision to do what God said to do. That's how we know he had faith. And we know that he believed God because when he heard the voice of God, he did what God said to do. And so faith isn't a feeling. Faith is a decision. Number two, faith is not what you know. Faith is who you know. The Lord said to Abram, this is uh, Genesis 12, 1, leave your native country, leave your relatives, leave your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. Abraham had no idea where he was going, but he knew who was sending him. He didn't know where he was going, but he knew who was sending him. James says this, he says in two verse two, uh, chapter 2, verse 19, he says, you say you have faith. For you believe there is one God. Good for you, big boy. You say you have faith because you believe there's one God. He says, even the demons in hell believe this. And they tremble in terror. Can I tell you uh, this morning that believing in God is not the same thing as believing God? Believing in God is not the same thing as believing God. Because real faith is not merely intellectual. Real faith is relational. How many of you, moms or dads in the room, you made a significant lifestyle change after you had children? You, you, you began to work harder, right? You maybe, maybe you begin to save more money, spend less money on certain things. Maybe you, maybe you begin to focus on your health because you realize someone beside yourself depending on you. Uh, and, and these are all things that most of us would say, yeah, these are things I knew I should have done sooner. But, you know, once, once the baby was born, I, I realized, oh, you know, I got, I got to take care of these things. I got to start doing these things. You know what changed? Your knowledge of the situation didn't change. But finally, for maybe for some of you, the, for the first time in your life, you love, something, you love someone more than you loved yourself. Amen. And it began to change the way you live. James says, you say you believe in God, but if you don't do what he says, then you're no better than a demon. I'm going to repeat that because I don't think you heard it because I should have made some of you mad. And I'm proud people ain't leaving yet. You say you believe in God. But it doesn't change how you live. It doesn't change how you talk. It doesn't change that you don't spend any more time in the Word than before that you, when you said you didn't believe in God. You don't spend any time telling people about Jesus. You, don't, you, you, go, you only go to church when you wake up and you feel like it anyway, not because you know you need to, you just, you know, because you, you're a slave to your emotions. So James is essentially saying, you say you believe in God, but it doesn't impact the way you live. You're just like a devil in hell. Yeah. 
If you really believe in God, you'll do what he says to do. You'll trust him. You have knowledge, but you have no relationship. And what relationship with God that you do claim to have exists to serve you and not for you to serve God. And essentially what you have created is a situation where you use God as a get-out-of-hell-free card and you sit on his lap like he's Santa Claus and you tell him what you want him to do in your life. And that's just not how it works. How do we know Abraham had faith? Because the Lord spoke to him. First of all, if God isn't speaking to you in your life, if God is not calling you into uncomfortable and difficult situations, I have news for you, and I say this from a place of love, but I am not stuttering and I am not stumbling when I tell you. It's because you are not hearing him. Because there is no way your ear can be in tune to the heart of God. There is no way that your heart can be aligned with his heart. And you not hear him calling you to places of discomfort and difficulty. Because that is what it means to be a child. That's what it means to be a son or daughter of God. It's to, to hear his voice, to obey his word, and to do what he says. And many of us, we don't hear the word because we're not in the word. Because we don't think it's valuable. We don't think it's, uh, that it helps us. Even though men and women throughout history have given up their lives to ensure that we have a copy of this in our hands and so we think oh I can go to church two times a month and get everything I need good luck with that now we know Abraham trusted the Lord we know that Abraham had faith in Jesus we know Abraham had faith in God rather because God spoke to him and he said go and he went and there's nowhere in this book that I, and I've read the whole thing, cover to cover, a few times. There's nowhere in this book that I've ever found the Lord speaks to someone and he says to them, hey, hey, follow me. I'll make things easier for you. That's right. That's right. Come on. Do what I say. Your life will get so much easier. No, no, no. That's not what he says, is it? No, no. He's always calling us from our, he, he's always trying to disturb our comfort. You know why? It's because until we see him face to face, he is continually conforming us more and more to the image of Christ. And the only way something can be changed is if you stretch it, if you pull it, if you make it uncomfortable, if you work it, right? And the only way our faith can grow is if we will step out of the known and into the unknown where we have no choice but to say, okay, God, I'm here. Now what? I need you. I need you to help me. I need you to lead me. As long as you stay where it's easy, as long as you stay where it's comfortable, you'll never change. You'll never look any more like Jesus because that's not how it works. So how do we know Abraham had faith? You know, we like to say, oh, you know, I'm just saved by grace through faith, not of myself. That's Ephesians chapter 2, and I'm going to read it in a moment. But the way we know he had faith is because he did what God said to do. You can, you can know the gospel. You can claim to believe every word of it. In, in the gospel, you know that Jesus Christ, the, the Son of God, became human. He gave himself for us, and that through his death, burial, and resurrection, I, am, uh, I can receive forgiveness of my sins and be made right with God. And that's the gospel. And, and the, the quickest, most basic way I can say it, and you can, you can quote that. You can quote John three sixteen. You can say you know the Bible. You can go to church, but if it doesn't change how you live, then, then, then you're living a lie. All you know is some Bible trivia information. You don't know the gospel. At least you don't know the God of the gospel anyway. Genesis chapter 15, the Lord said to him, talking back to Abraham, Abraham is an old man. He's older now than he, than he was earlier. 
And he's having a conversation with God, and he's saying, God, you've blessed me. You've given me all this stuff, but, but I don't have any children. I, and my, my servant is just going to become my heir. And this is what happens in verse 4. The Lord said to him, no, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside, and he said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you'll have. And Abraham believed the Lord and counted him righteous because of his faith. So let me, here's, here's your next point. Faith is not a denial of reality. Faith is trust in a greater reality. Abraham and Sarah were old. And they had every reason to rationalize their way out of a miracle. They, they had every reason to go to God and be like, okay, God, um, thanks, thanks for the idea that we're going to have a baby, but apparently you don't know how the human body works. And, and apparently, apparently you don't understand that as we get older, things begin to change, right? And, think, you know, all, and, and, and so, you know, no, he said, he said, the Bible says that he had faith, that he believed that God would be true to his word. And I want to ask you this, has God ever told you something crazy? I'm, let me say, like, let me just, and, and if he hasn't, you're probably not listening to him, right? And, 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 you know, what some people do is they do crazy stuff, and then they blame it on God. And that's not what I'm talking about. Don't be one of those people, okay? Don't be one of those people that go, well, God made me do it. No, he didn't. You're crazy. That's all. That's what, that's, it's plain and simple. That's just the truth. You're just an idiot, right? Yeah. There was a moment a few years ago uh, where the Lord told me, and I mean, you know, it's weird when, when someone says, God told me, and, and first of all, I just want to say this. I don't say God told me a lot because he doesn't. I wish he did. Usually when the Lord speaks to me, he speaks to me through this, right, his word. Uh, but every so often in my life, I've had, I want to say pleasure, but it's, it's never been great. I've never enjoyed it. It's always been hard. But the Lord spoke to me one early one morning in prayer, and I was actually reading the book of Genesis about Noah and the ark of all stories. And I had taken money and set it aside in the savings account uh, because I just figured there'd be a time I would need it. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me clear as day and said, it's time to give that money away. And, 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 I, and I thought, well, that's, not, that's not God. That's the voice of foolishness. I've got a family. You know, I've got children. I've got things, you know, all this. And so, so I, I sit on it for a few days and I just keep being, you know, pounded in, in, in my spirit. Like, this is the Lord telling me it's time to get, because this is my security blanket, so to speak, and the Holy Spirit is saying, it's time, to, it's time to turn over the security blanket and let me become your place of security. Which I thought, was, that's crazy. That's not the Lord. God wouldn't do that to me. And so I tell my wife about it, knowing good and well, she's going to be like, yeah, yeah, you just stayed up too late. Or, yeah, you just had one too many tacos. That, that wasn't God. And so then I tell my wife about it, and she's like, well, I feel the Lord in that. And I thought, man, no, you don't. No, you do not. That's crazy. I'm, I'm an idiot, right? And she said, no, I think that's the Holy Spirit. And so, so I leave that conversation thinking, okay, my wife is turned on me. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go find some mentors in my life, some spiritual fathers. And, and I begin to talk to three or four other people. And I, and I essentially look at them. And I'm like, can you, can you tell me how dumb I am? Just tell me. And, and, and then and they said, no, I think that's the Lord. And so I thought, well, uh, you're no longer a part of my life. Let me go to somebody else. <laughs> I literally went to like five different people when it was all said and done and eventually came to the conclusion, okay, this is the Lord. He's told me to do this. And I was obedient to his word and I did what he said to do. And, and I truly believe, I don't believe the Lord blessed me because I gave money, but I believe the Lord has blessed me because I was obedient. Right. 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 
And, and, and wherever you are right now, I can guarantee you, if you will put your ear to him, if you will ask him, Lord, you don't need to ask him to speak to you because he's doing that. What you need to do is you say, Lord, help me to hear you. Help me to quiet down all the noise. Help me to ignore, ignore the distractions. Help me to hear what you were saying. And I guarantee you in some area, in some avenue of your life, the Lord is speaking to you. And the reason why we don't always hear it is because we don't want to hear it because he never asked us to do easy things. But he asks us to do great things purposeful things, not things that will make our life easier, but things that will give us purpose and an abundant life. And if you want to experience the miraculous, I'm telling you right now, I'm ready for the miraculous. I'm ready to see the hand of God move in my life. I'm ready to see the hand of God move in my church. I'm ready to see the hand of God move in my community. And if you want to experience the hand of God moving in all those things, it is time to get rid of normal. It is, time, it is time to overcome this feeling of this desire to fit in, to be normal, to be average, to be ordinary, and to just be like everybody else. But rather, it's time for the men and women of God to say, you know what, I want to stick out like a sore thumb in this world. I want to be so different. I want to be so weird. I want to be so abnormal. I want to be so strange that when people approach me or that when people talk to me, that they can't help but ask me, why are you the way you are? And I can tell them, hey, it's because I've been spending time in the presence of one greater. And so, so faith, faith is not a denial of reality. Faith is trust in a greater reality. So, so I'm not denying what I see, right? I'm not, I'm not denying the doctor's report. I'm not denying the bank statement, right? I'm not denying the bill. I am just trusting in his hand more than I trust in my own eyes, right? I'm not denying, or, or rather, I, I'm, I'm choosing to trust in his character over my circumstances. I'm choosing to trust his word, over my worries. Faith isn't a denial of reality. It's faith in a greater reality. Number whatever we're on. Faith always requires action or it isn't faith. James says this, chapter 2, verse 20, 20 and 24. He says, you foolish person. Must you be shown that faith that does nothing is worth nothing? I'm going to read it again. Must you be shown that faith that does nothing is worth nothing? He says, Abraham, our ancestor. Remember, Father Abraham. We've been grafted in the family, right? Our ancestor, Abraham, was made right with God by what he, or what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar. That's a, a story. You need to go read that one. He says, so you see... Abraham's faith and the things that he did work together. His faith was made perfect or his faith was made complete by what he did. This shows the full meaning of the scripture that says Abraham believed God and God accepted Abraham's faith and that faith made him right with God and Abraham was called God's friend. So you see, hear, hear this, People are made right with God by what they do, not by faith only. Amen. Oh, but Pastor Drew, we're not saved by works. We're not, we're not, we're saved by, we're, I'm not saved by what I do. I'm saved by what Jesus has done. Hey, and that's a true statement. That's a hundred percent true statement. 
James is not telling us that, that we are saved by our works or actions. James is telling us that our works or our actions show that we are in fact saved. Okay, and maybe you're like, okay, well, I can't really trust James because, you know, he was a half-brother of Jesus and, and he was kind of a weirdo. Remember, remember, you know, James didn't even follow Jesus. James went and found Jesus when he was doing ministry and called him a lunatic and said, we got to get him, we got to take care of him. He's crazy. But then, you know, Holly, you know, Jesus is, is crucified and then he's buried and then he comes back to life and James is like, well, I guess he must be telling the truth then. <laughs> I mean, like, kind of like you probably would if somebody you see is dead and then they come back to life. And so James, James says this, but, but, but maybe you're thinking, okay, I need to hear it from somebody else. Well, let's go to the Apostle Paul. Let's go to the book of Ephesians. We've already quoted a little bit. In chapter 2, verse 8, he says, For by grace you've been saved through faith. And you're like, oh, see, see there, it's not by works. Right? Yeah, okay. And this is not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And you think you're feeling pretty good about your argument, but I'm about to knock you upside the head with the truth. Verse number 10, for you are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So in other words, you're not saved by works, but you are saved for works. And if your life of faith doesn't look like a person of faith, and your faith is not in God, it's in you. Jesus has something to say about it too, because maybe you're like, well, James, you know, we can't really trust James. Some people say the book of James shouldn't even be in the Bible, and then you know, Paul used to kill Christians, so maybe we shouldn't listen to him either. But then, you know, so let's just see what Jesus had to say about it. We go to Matthew chapter 7. Jesus says you can identify people by their fruit. That is, by the way they act. Oh, judge not, lest you not be judged. That's the only Bible scripture some people even know, right? Totally pull it out of context. They don't know what they're even saying. Shut up with that mess. I don't want to hear that. Jesus says you can identify them by their fruit. That is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes? Can you pick figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit. A bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Verse 20, yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. In other words, if you say you follow Jesus and your life doesn't look like a person who follows Jesus, you don't follow Jesus. Don't get scared, though, because I know you might be thinking, well, what am I going to do then? Like, I, sometimes I do things. Sometimes I say things. Sometimes I, I mess up. Can I just tell you, this isn't about you being a perfect person. This isn't about making a mistake every once in a while. This is about when someone chooses to live a lifestyle contrary to the word of God. And if you are living in sin and you are continuing to do things or to say things or even think things that are in opposition to the way God has called the people of God to live, I'm not saying that you might not be a Christian, but I am saying that the Bible says you might not be a Christian. I got four people that are all in, but everybody else is about done, right? <laughs> so, so let's go back to Galatians. Paul says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, 
lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, Paul says, that anyone living like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Or in other words, anyone living like this has nothing, nothing to do with Jesus. And so, so we live in this culture today, and I hate to be the guy that stands on a stage and is, you know, bad-mouthing culture. And ultimately, the problem with culture is, and the world is not the world acting like the world. The problem is the church hasn't been acting like the church. We can't expect people who do not know Jesus to behave like they do know Jesus. But bless God, we need to start expecting men and women of God who go to church, who, who wear the Lifehouse t-shirt, who wear the hat, to actually live like men and women of God who know the God of the gospel. I mean, you can wear, I love the shirt. Hey, can you turn me up just a little bit? Um, you, you can wear the shirt all you want to. Uh, you can wear the hat all you want to. You can, I don't know, get you a bracelet. You know, I got a Jesus tattoo on my wrist. Even some of y'all think that's bad, but whatever, I don't care. And, and, and all, all that, but listen, if your life, if the way you talk, if the way you speak, if the way you think, the way you behave, and the way you preach even, and listen, you're all preaching a sermon every day of the week with everyone you're around by what you allow into your mind, by what you allow into your eyes, by the way you respond to people when you're angry or upset, you're preaching the gospel every day. We just don't know for sure if you're preaching the gospel of Jesus or the gospel of yourself. And it is time for us as a church, as men and women of God, to, to gird up our loins, so to speak, right? To, to, start, to start holding true to what the Bible says. To be able to speak truth without fear of hurting someone's feelings. You know, Jesus even says in his word, the gospel is offensive. And it is time that we stop worrying about people. Turn me up some more. It is time we stop worrying about everyone's feelings and we start worrying about everyone's eternity. Because listen to me, my friend, you will stand before God with no one around you to blame, and you will be held accountable for what you did with this gospel. And if that doesn't scare you, then you are insane. If that doesn't bring upon you some holy fear to examine your life and to ask yourself, am I truly a follower of Jesus? Because the bottom line is this, you, might, you can be a good person, but that doesn't mean you're following Jesus. All right. And so we in the church, we're not talking about the world. Listen, the, the problem with the world is the same problem that's always been with the world. I will say this, here's one difference that we see today. Is that the things that everybody used to know were wrong is now celebrated as good. Which is actually fulfilling prophecy in the word of God. I believe it's Isaiah that says there will come a time when people will call good things bad and bad things good. I mean, there's nothing new under the sun though, right? So, so we know that that exists and we can point fingers all day long. But just remember, every time we point a finger at somebody else, there's three pointing back at us. So we can talk about that, and that's a legitimate problem, and that's, that is what it is. And it's not going to change because, because we start pointing fingers at them. It's going to change because we start living differently than them. It's going to change because we decide to live the truth that we claim to believe, but we don't act like we believe. And, and so we're living in a time now where men and women of God have to decide, am I going to be fully committed to Jesus? 
Am I going to go all in with what I have always claimed to believe and start actually living it like I claim, it to, believe, claim to believe it? And so what, what has happened in the church for a while now is that we have viewed the grace of God as an excuse to be able to sin freely. We, we will say things like this while we're putting something in our body that's going to harm us, right? I'm not playing games today. We will say things like this when we are overtly sinning. Oh, well, you know, there's grace for that. Mm, my God, help me, Jesus. You need to get saved, okay? You, you, you don't belong to Jesus. You belong to the devil. You know, you're not going to amen me now, right? You're going you're gonna to be all quiet now. You're going to be all offended now. Well, I don't care, okay? Because I am going to stand before him one day, and I am going to give an account from what I do from this platform. And your opinion will not matter in that moment. His opinion is the only one that matters. And I'm not, I'm not here to make friends. And I'm, and I'm just going to tell you right now, you're going to start hearing a different message from this pulpit. Yeah, I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to encourage you in the Lord, but I'm not going to play into this sissified pancake Jesus Christianity, okay? Pancake, patty cake. I'm hungry too, okay? Pancakes sound pretty good right now. With blueberries. Because the Lord has convicted me of my, and myself. I'm not doing anything I shouldn't do, but just like I told my kids last night we, in our devotional, we actually talked about sin with my 11-year-old and, or 10, 10 and 9-year-old. They're not in here right now. They don't care. And we were talking about, you know, a lot of times we talk about sin, like, oh, these are things that you shouldn't do. And we can talk about that, right? I mean, there are things that you shouldn't do. Can I, can I just... <laughs> I, I, I hate to be the guy that just starts listing things because I need to move back. I'm making that speaker feedback. Thank you, Bobby, that my voice is about gone. But there are so many sins that we've accepted as it's just the way it is. Like, oh, I can, I can overeat and ruin my body and clog my arteries. Not a big deal. I'm, oh, yeah, see, I started there because I knew we could all relate to that. I mean... If we're going to preach the truth, let's preach the whole truth. How about that? Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The only reason you're not in heaven right now is because God has a purpose for your life. And if you are slowly killing yourself with cholesterol and overeating and gluttony, then, then you're, going to, you're, going to hold, you're going to be held accountable for that. Or maybe, maybe, maybe you like to put addictive substances in your body that either bring you up or bring you down, right? I don't know. I, I get the question all the time, and I'm going to go there. And I didn't do it first service, but I'm going to go there. Can I, can I drink? Yeah, so see, it's not what you wanted, is it? Because I touched on what you do. I don't even know who said it, so don't get upset. And I said, yeah, you can have all the water you want. I, I don't know if you can drink or not. And the Bible doesn't expressly forbid it, but you know, it does talk about a lot of things in our life that are weights. And I know this, that if I am in Calhoun's and I'm drinking a margarita or whatever, I don't even know what drink, that's all I want, daiquiris and, or a, not a Bud Light, but something else maybe. 
somebody from our church walks in knowing that I'm a pastor who may have struggled with alcohol in the past. You know, because I grew up with a man who struggled with alcohol, so much so that it eventually led partly to his death. So I know that how that feels. And so they see me doing it, so it condones to them, oh, I can do it too. If the pastor can do it, then I can do it. Hey, I don't know. I don't know if you can drink or not. I don't know. You probably shouldn't, though. I know you don't like to hear that, but I've done told you I don't give a flying flip anymore. Sex. Lord, forgive me. Oh, you don't understand, Pastor. We're older now. Yeah, and you're still living in sin. One man, one woman, end of story, no questions asked, bottom line. That's all it is to it. Inside the holy bond of marriage, bottom line. You say, oh, well, you know, the Lord understands. Yeah, the Lord understands that you were stomping all over the blood of his one and beloved son. The Lord understands that you don't give a rip about the grace of God. The Lord understands that you treat the precious blood of Jesus as common and there so that you can be excused from your petty, selfish desires. Yeah, that, the Lord understands. I don't think he does. I think he understands that you claim to follow Jesus, but your life tells a different story. Oh, but now you're, you're meddling in the little things. Well, it's always the little things. The little things are the big things. And listen, I can keep going. Give me enough time, I'll pull yours out of the hat too. And I'm not alone. I'm in the same thing with you. And so I know you're quiet now. I know that I've already hit your little touch point. And listen, you'll be fine. You can go find another church next week. I'm going to preach the same truth next week though. The grace of God does not exist so that you can get away with sin. The grace of God exists so that you can be free from sin. The grace of God exists so that you can be free from it. Hebrews, the writer tells us, faith shows us the reality of what we hope for. I love that. Faith shows. There you go. How do you know a person has faith? Because they show it to you in the way they live and the way they talk, and the way they act, and the way they behave. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. Verse 8, going back to Abraham. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. Verse 13, all these people still all these people died still believing what God had promised them. They, they did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and they welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads on earth. I want to tell you, sometimes prayers do go unanswered, but faith will never go unrewarded. Obedience will never go unrewarded. It may not be rewarded in the public sphere. They may not, they may not write books of the Bible and talk about you in them, <clears throat> but in your life, in the lives of those around you, Faith is never wasted. So this is 4,000 years later, after the life of Abraham. And listen, you go read Abraham's story. He was not a perfect person, okay? There's a little bit of truth to what I said earlier about Abraham kind of getting around. You know what I'm saying? 
he made mistakes. He, he wasn't perfect. And, and the way I'm, I want you to understand, I am not talking about you being a perfect human being. I'm not talking about you, you know, never sinning or never messing up. If you figure out how to do that, let me know because I need some help. I am talking about making the decision as far as I'm able. I will do my absolute best to stay close to the, to the, to the presence of God and that I will ask the Lord to help me be sensitive to His Spirit so that when I do step into sin, it bothers me. When I do step into sin, it hurts me. And I am in that moment reminded of my, 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 my failure and my faults and my humanity and in my per imperfection, I go to a God who is perfect and holy and righteous and sinless and blameless and in His presence, He says, come here my son, let me, let me dust you off here. I know you fell down, but let me help you back up because it's not about being perfect, but it is about following him closely. And, and all these small things add up to big things. Think about it. 4,000 years ago, God talks to a man and says, hey, take a walk. And he does. He just take a step, right? It's the name of the sermon. Take a step. And today, maybe you need to take a step. I'm not saying that you're going to conquer every addiction. I'm not saying you're going to conquer every sin. I'm not saying you'll never mess up again. But today, you can take a step and say, Jesus, I want to be closer to you. I want to be different than I was. I want to be changed by your love. I want to, I want to follow you a little more closely. I want, to, I, want to, I want to smell like you. I want to look like you. I want to sound like you. I want when I go out into this world that people look at me and they go, Hey, he ain't from around here, is he? He looks a little different. He smells a little different. He's acting a little different. He's talking a little different. And it's not because I'm from someplace different. It's because I've been in the presence of one who is different. So wherever you are today, I'm not, I'm not telling you you got to be perfect, but I'm telling you the call of God on your life today is to take a step. To take a step of faith. To take a step of obedience. Maybe the Lord is calling you to a new place, to a new home, to a new location. Physically. But I, even if He's not doing it physically, I guarantee you He's doing it spiritually. There, there, no one has arrived in the Lord yet. 4,000 years later, we who belong to Christ are the fruit of Abraham's faith and obedience. We are the fruit of his obedience to follow God even when he did not know where he was going. We are the fruit of his faith when he chose to trust God even when all human logic said it is impossible. We are the fruit of his obedience that when he chose to obey God even when the culture around him called him crazy and so my question for you today my friend is what will be the fruit of your faith what will be the fruit of your obedience what will be the fruit of your step today to, to get a little closer will you stand I know I said a lot of stuff and I don't take it back and I don't apologize for it and I will not feel bad about it after the service. But I know that in the middle of all the stuff, it's easy to forget that I am just a human being, flawed and insufficient in every way compared to who he is. 
And so with that being said, I hope you hear my heart. My heart is not one of condemnation, but of encouragement to say to you, listen, if you want to see the world look different, we have to look different. And it won't come because we criticize people. It will be because the Lord does a work in us. I know I've preached for a while and I'm usually so short with my sermons. This is weird, right? But I'm going to be bold with you this morning, just as I have been in my message. If you need, if you, if you're living in sin, I mean, listen, I know I named a few, but I, I don't, you know, a lot of us have found new ways to sin, right? I think I've created a couple of those myself. Maybe you struggle with unforgiveness or anger. Hey, man, can I, just, can I just be transparent with you? That's a big one in my life. I've had to go to the altar and, and still do many times saying, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for this anger in me. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Change me. Help me to look more like Jesus. I don't know. I don't know what it may be. But if today there's a sin in your life and you would say, Pastor Drew, I'm ready to repent. I'm ready to turn from my sin. And I'm ready to take a step towards Jesus. I want to invite you to come to this altar. Brad already beat me to it. Come on, listen. I'm not playing games this morning. And and when you sit where you are, I just want to to remind you, what you're saying is, I'm good. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm good. Just remember that. And if that's the case, that's great. I'm good for you. Help me out later because I need it myself. Every prayer you pray, every act of obedience you commit, every step of faith you take is an investment in a future you cannot yet see for your children and for your children's children and so on and so forth. We are the fruit of Abraham's faith. What will be the fruit of our faith? So for everyone else, maybe the Lord is calling you not necessarily to repent of sin, but maybe he's calling you to do something to go somewhere. I don't know. I don't know. I told my girls last night, the Bible doesn't just tell us what not to do, but it also tells us what to do. And James says, if someone knows to do something good and doesn't do it to them, that's sin. So maybe today the Lord is putting something on your heart to to go or to do or to be And you need encouragement. You need the Lord to give you encouragement today to trust Him to take that step of obedience. And if that's for you today, I want to invite you as well to come to this altar. I want to pray with everyone here today, personally. I want to pray with everyone here.